1983, John Glenn brought us his second Roger Moore outing, with James Bond fighting a standard East vs. West Cold War battle, taking priceless works of art in an effort to raise funds to destroy the Western forces in Germany. Everything comes to a head between Bond and the Soviet smuggling ring led by General Orlov, enforced by Afghan gangster Kamal Khan, and executed by a mysterious gang leader, Octopussy. Good evening, 003. The following is for your ears only and is classified above top secret by Her Majesty's Secret Service. Our contact with the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network intercepted an encrypted audio message regarding podcasters assembled. For this season, the podcast network is looking to recruit field operatives from around the world to reminisce about the Bond movies and a countdown to the latest film in the franchise, No Time to Die. Your primary objective is to infiltrate podcasters assemble by recording and uploading your submissions at probablywork.com. Utilizing a two-way communications device with a built-in microphone, the latest from QBranch. For a full mission report, go to probablywork.com. We're all counting on you, 003. Podcasters, assemble. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs podcast. This is Justin Aki, graphic designer and one half a significant honor co. Eric Slater here from Epic Tales of History and Too Young for This Trek. Yo, this is Corey Torgerson from the upcoming podcast, The World is My Burrito. Octopussy. Octopussy is the 13th official Bond film and is inspired by two short stories by Ian Fleming, Property of a Lady and Octopussy. So, I've stated several times in the past that I've seen this movie more than any other James Bond movie, uh, mostly because it was played on basic cable every other weekend for my entire teenage years. I have a love-hate relationship with this movie because while I enjoy it, it's not the best James Bond movie. Octopussy sure is a Bond movie. Bond location jumps, there's a decent cold open, the villains are crazy, we get a cue scene, we have a sidekick, a couple of chases. That I definitely remember a lot about, and not just that it has a clown in it. I don't like clowns. But I do think it's one of the best Roger Moore movies. So I gotta say, Roger Moore really shows his age in this one. Here's the thing though, this isn't the only one with a clown, right? Isn't there another movie where there's a clown... And there's something to do with like a uh, like a German assassin who's a milk delivery man, and when you go through some sliding doors, the doors like shoot shut real fast, and they cut you in half. That's not this one, but isn't it a clown? Anyway. Octopussy starts off with a uh, cold open that I, I just could not care less about. Are we in Cuba? Now, the movie has two cold opens. The first, Bond gets caught trying to blow up a jet that was captured in Cuba. Is that... is that Castro? Bond's there, there's a horse trailer, but it's clearly a fake horse butt, and then he gets kidnapped by, I don't know, militants of some sort and the girl who he's with drives up next to them and they do the same distraction tactic that happened back in Moonraker. Is this the same girl from Moonraker? Because they do the same thing where the girl's like, hey, sexy eyes at the guard. And then the guard looks at Bond and Bond's like, hey, she's giving you sexy eyes. And it goes back and forth about 86 times on that routine before Bond disarms them. And then 
So Bond goes undercover as a soldier with a mustache. Bond looks great with a mustache. I mean, really. Pulling the parachute release to passively get rid of enemies is a smooth move. But Bond gets caught and he's driven off site. And then we give him the chance to escape. He pulls some guy's parachutes and they fly out the back of a truck. But why were they wearing parachutes on a truck? Uh, the security guards are also paratroopers. What's up with the parachutes? And even paratroopers usually only wear the parachutes when they get on the plane, not just, you know, walking around the base. Also, I love the horse's ass hidden airplane. The fake horse butt? Really? <laughs> How did he get this thing into the country in the first place? Does Q have a hidden compound in Havana or something? He gets in the horse trailer and the fake horse butt comes up and there's a little plane in there and he blows up a building. Anyway, Bond gets away, gets into the plane out of the horse's ass, goes back to the base and blows everything up. If you pay attention, you can actually see the rod holding up the plane driving through the scene. It's pretty funny. I love how he lands his dinky little plane in Miami or wherever it was. Bond then runs out of fuel, pulling up to a Cuban gas station like five minutes from base. Like you, you couldn't just like got out of, of the plane, whatever. And then he's out of gas. And so he, he lands his plane and pulls it into a gas station. He like pulls up to a gas station and just says, fill her up. But um, Man, that was a weird transition. The song for this movie is one of the odd ones, as it doesn't have anything to do with the movie or title, but I enjoyed it. The song in this one is fine. It sounds like it would be on somebody's, like, 70s slow jam sex playlist or something. It, it... The name of this movie is All Time High, because that's the name of the title song. It sometimes randomly comes into my head. We're in all time high. I'm both surprised and relieved that they didn't try to work Octopussy into the song. I I just can't get over that title. It doesn't sound like a Bond song at all. It doesn't even say Octopussy in it. Like, how are you going to make a sexy song and not say Octopussy? I guess there's nothing sexy about the phrase Octopussy. Like, it's, I mean, you know, you know. Didn't know the singer either, but after some research, her name is Rita Coolidge. Turns out she's from Jacksonville, Florida. Used to be married to Chris Christopherson and is responsible for the breakup of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. That's a serious backstory for some throwaway James Bond music. All Time High is a really catchy song, but it's not a good song. I kind of like the lasers. We then cut to East Berlin, where there's a clown on the run. It's a good thing the circus from Moonraker finally made its return. I don't know how much more random these movies can get. I consider the scene right after the credits a second cold open. It has some creepy twins chasing the clown. That's like a solid nightmare right there. But the clown gets away, escaping from East Germany with a knife in his back, dying at the British ambassador's house. When the clown started floating down the river, the only thing I could think of was, we all float down here. Wait, 009 was the clown? We then get a new Money Penny's assistant? When we get to uh, M's office, before we meet M, we have to have our requisite scene with Money Penny. But this time, there's another girl there, and her name's Penelope Smallbone. And there's a weird thing in this movie where there's there's a lot of, like, kind of duplicates. Like, Penelope Smallbone is kind of the new Money Penny. And James Bond is taking over a case for 009, 
and uh, we've got a new Russian general who's kind of challenging the status quo of the old Russian general that we've gotten to know over a couple Bond films. I don't know if there's supposed to be something there, but it feels like there's something there. Also, Moneypenny's super old in this one. I feel really bad. And they have computers, not typewriters. That's a first. We also get a new M. Turns out the Faberge egg was a fake. Anyway, the creepy clown spy who died, uh, apparently 009, stole one of the fake Faberge eggs, and Bond is tasked to find out who is buying slash selling them by going to an auction for the real one. Meanwhile, over in the Russian space, General Orlov has a remote that turns the basic conference room to the stage from Hamilton. I really do like the uh, briefing scene with the Russians where they have like this massive base with a rotating floor for absolutely no reason. They clearly have the same interior designer that Blofeld was using for years. That guy's out of work now, the Blofeld got dumped down a chimney stack, so he's gone to work for the Russians. Plus, check out those computer graphics, Professor Falcon. So every Bond movie has a scene where British actors try to uh, out-British each other. This movie has a similar scene with guys doing really bad Russian accents. So the basic plot is that General Orlov is smuggling out Russian antiquities, replacing the originals with fakes, selling the prize products to raise funds for Russian things? I don't know. Kind of like our CIA did, selling arms to terrorists to support some other terrorists slash freedom fighters. It actually took place around the same time as this movie, so it's pretty crazy that Iran-Contra was at the same time. General Orlov? Is that the guy from Goldeneye? Bond bids to drive up the price. Eventually it goes for 500,000 pounds, which in today's money is $1.7 million. There's a thing in this movie about Fabergé eggs and other precious jewels from Russia. The person who buys it is Kamal Khan, someone who's known for selling dubious artifacts, not exactly buying them. But Bond switches the eggs, giving Khan the fake one. Also, we're introduced to the side chick of the movie, Magda, who's played by a very 80s Trist, Kristen Wayborn. I mean, those shoulder pads were huge. Now, I think she's cute throughout the movie, but she looks so much better wearing a hat because that girl has six head. She doesn't have a forehead, she has a few extra. That's what Bond's actually like on a mission for at this point is to track down like fake Fabergé eggs in India, I guess. So after the bidding scene involving the fake Fabergé egg, Bond goes to India. Bond tracks down Khan to India flying there with a real egg as a way to get into the scheme. Where a snake charmer plays the Bond theme. I think it's kind of interesting that the Bond theme exists within the Bond universe. And the most meta thing of the series so far, Bond's contact VJ is playing the Bond theme on one of those snake flute things. The most important thing that happens in India is we meet VJ, who is uh, Bond's Indian counterpart. And this guy is great. Uh, the first time we meet him, he's uh, pretending to be a snake charmer. And the, the code word he uses for James Bond is that he's playing the Bond theme on the flute to the snake, which means that the Bond theme exists in universe in the James Bond movies. And I like that very much. Do, 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 do. VJ signals Bond by playing that theme. And as soon as VJ and Bond meet up, VJ releases a wild cobra into a crowd of people. Really? 
Bond asks VJ, what have you learned so far? To which VJ responds, well, my backhand's improved, referencing to his previously mentioned tennis skills. Of course, uh, VJ is actually played by a real Indian tennis star named VJ. And because there was nothing else to do back in the 70s uh, but watch TV, most audiences would actually have been familiar with VJ in general. He was part of the Open a couple times. So this is the equivalent of having someone like Dan Marino in the movie. If you don't grab that reference, try, I don't know, The Rock in the movie? That is the best line delivery of like any of these Roger Moore Bond films, and it's not even Roger Moore saying it. Bond goes to a pretty epic hotel with a front desk being by the pool. That's pretty cool. Uh, and ends up playing Khan in backgammon for money. He notices Khan cheats, though, uh, and then, you know, uses Khan's loaded dice to win uh, 200,000 rupees. Uh, what is about 38 grand? Not too shabby. Kamala Khan tells him, spend the money quickly, Mr. Bond. What I did notice in the game that Bond and Khan are both older gentlemen with similar levels of intensity. So it's a great villain catch for the film. Oh, hey, I forgot to mention, the bad guy in this movie's name is Kamal Khan, and I could not stop thinking of Miss Marvel Kamala Khan every time they said it. So, hey, this might be the first mention of Kamala Khan on Podcasters Assemble. Hopefully sometime in the future, we'll revisit season one and do a Marvel movie featuring Kamala Khan on the big screen. Wouldn't that be great? I wonder if there was a board meeting to decide that they should have smaller chase scenes because they went from a Citroën to an auto rickshaw. This chase scene is like a cartoon. Bond leaves to do, I don't know, something. But he's hunted down by the bad guy's henchmen armed with a freaking blunderbuss. So, not my favorite weapon, but that blunderbuss was ridiculous. A blunderbuss, really? VJ again with the line delivery. Bond says, VJ, we have company. VJ turns around and says, no problem, this is a company car, and then does a wheelie in the auto rickshaw. Why is this guy not Bond? What? VJ's also got the best vehicle in the movie where he gets into a chase scene. He's driving this little, like, three-wheeled taxi thing, and, uh, oh no, there's the baddies are chasing after us, and he's like, don't worry, this is a company car. Which you're like, oh snap, it's a cute taxi, three-wheeled taxi cab, but really it could just do wheelies. That's, that's pretty much the extent of it being, like, a cool spy car. VJ is armed with a tennis racket because, of course, he is. They didn't have to shoot her in. Hey, you remember me? I'm the tennis star. Do you remember seven minutes ago when VJ talked about playing tennis? Well, that was Chekhov's tennis racket that he just used to whack a guy in the head. Uh, then there's the first car chase, technically rickshaw chase. There's a guy who's on a bike in the scene that they're fighting back and forth. He actually wasn't an actor extra, just some guy who needed to get somewhere and didn't care. Uh, that's India for you. Bond ends up in a scam guru plaza, fighting with the sword from the throat guy's sword throat thing. Uh, he throws a guy on a bed of nails. There's fire, everything. So this movie, while so better than some of the better ones, is still corny as all get out. Bond gets away by throwing out all the money he's won, clogging up the streets, which was smart. Easy come, easy go. Q Branches, India Division. Q has a hidden hideout in India, because of course he does, where he bugs the egg for future purposes. But I mean, that whole like rope climbing thing, like what, what, are, what are you supposed to do with that? Is that supposed to sneak you into something? Why did you bring a ladder? Like people are, people walk around with ladders all the time, like workmen. So Q shows off this poison pen and then gives Bond a watch with the homing beacon tracker. While Bond is being a perv with Q's camera. Because of course he is. 
Anyway, Magda ends up at Bond's hotel, trying to convince him just to give up the egg for his life. And then she sleeps with him, so I guess that's like payment for the egg. That octopusy tattoo actually looks like a temporary tattoo. Magda's action speak louder than words flip off the side of the building was really classy. Wow, that was a smooth exit on her part. Because the next morning, she steals the egg, ties a scarf around her waist, then basically strips in an acrobatic way out the window. But Bond is knocked out by the henchman. Why couldn't Magda just leave out the door when the henchman knocked out Bond? I, I don't get it. And then we go to uh, Octopussy's Palace. And now we're on Octopussy's Island. Man, that sounds so wrong. And most of the people who work there are wearing the Incredibles uniform. Bond wakes up in the villain's palace and is invited to dinner where they serve Afghan food because that was scary in 1983. Bond has some words with Khan and after dinner, sneaks out of his room to track down the egg. What stood out to me was the interference from the hairdryer in the building screwing up with the radio. That's something you wouldn't know about unless you grew up in the 1880s and 90s with cordless phones. Someone started a leaf blower up the street and you couldn't hear anyone on the other end of the line. For starters, everything from Kamal going to the island through this whole dinner scene and Kamal returning to the hotel and Kamal meeting with the, this is all so insanely drawn out. <sighs> there are so many walking scenes, so much walking, so much just fluff in here. And then of all the weird things that happens when the Russian dude smashes the fake egg, Kamal notices the tiny mic that Q Branch has been working on. How does Kamal recognize that that is something worth recognizing? Bond is almost caught and then breaks into a room full of dead bodies. Not refrigerated. Just just not refrigerated in India. How's, how's that working out for you? Uh, Bond gets locked into that whole room and ends up sneaking out in a body bag. But uh, Khan and uh, 400 servants go on a tiger hunt to try, try to track down Bond. Man, this movie is like really slow. So now we're on a manhunt after Bond. There's even a friggin' Tarzan yell in the scene. We see Bond pulling a Tarzan swinging through the vines. Not Bond imitating Tarzan, but no, the actual Tarzan yell, like, loaded up in the movie and press play. Oh, and uh, leeches. And big spiders. And tigers. Tigers, leeches, spiders, hell, add in some quicksand and you have like the nightmare from kids who grew up in the 90s. And there is a whole tiger that is featured in several scenes that does not pay off. He's there, he takes up screen time, he's gone. And then the movie shows that Bond is clearly surrounded on every side. I mean, he may as well be like in the middle of a mosh pit. And then somehow he teleports beneath the elephant, unbuckles a fastener, and runs away, and then visibly doesn't kick over an actor who just felt bad for him and decides to fall anyways. Bond eventually ends up getting away on a boat chartered by the Cincinnati Moose Lodge. Now, Bond decides to track down Magda and the other people involved in this using a gator boat, literally a boat slash sub dressed up as a gator to sneak over to Octopussy's palace. Wow, that fake alligator is officially the coolest thing in this movie. While I wish Bond had a car in this movie, he does have a gator. As someone from Florida, I'm pretty sure I'm legally required to state that is my favorite vehicle.
We do see octopusy feet in our pets, including one of those blue ring octopuses that kill people all the time. I've seen so many people posting on like Instagram and Reddit with one of those things. They're like the deadliest creature ever. Good job, idiots. Octopussy runs a circus, but she's also a smuggler. I gotta say, that's a random list of side businesses. And I think I understand what the plot of the movie is. Which is that she thinks that she's working with Kamal Khan to smuggle precious jewelry that the Russian General Olav has smuggled out of Russia for reasons. I guess she probably thinks Kamal Khan is buying this off of Olav and then they're gonna sell it for more. But really what the plot is, is that Olav is stealing this jewelry and replacing it with fakes so that he can pay Kamal Khan in this stolen jewelry and fake, or real Fabergé eggs. He made the fake Fabergé egg so that he could steal the real Fabergé egg as a way to pay Kamal Khan. And what they're doing is that he's, they're, they're hiding the jewelry in a smuggling compartment inside of one of the train cars for Octopussy's traveling circus. But then there's a duplicate, because again, this movie's got a ton of duplicates. It's got twin knife throwing guys, I don't know. There's a duplicate train car, and that one, instead of being full of jewels, is full of an atomic bomb, which is going to go off at a American Air Force base, and it's going to appear to have been a fault in an American bomb that killed a bunch of innocent people so that Europe and America will call for denuclearization and then Russia will be able to invade because there's no nuclear bombs to stop them. So Octopussy doesn't know anything about that. She just thinks they're smuggling jewels, but really Kamal Khan is taking those jewels because he's getting paid with them and is totally okay with killing thousands of people in an atomic blast. I think that that's the plot. Oh snap, we have a return Bond girl. Maude Adams was in The Man with the Golden Gun. Octopussy turns around and it's Maude Adams. You might have seen her in other movies such as The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, and it turns out they have a history in this movie. Bond gave her father a chance to take care of his death in his own way, so she feels grateful that. Uh, so she sleeps with them too, that's, that's what happens. Bond is kept as a guest. Uh, also, there's a tiny little guard named Midge. Like really, you, you call your, your tiny guard Midge? That seems not cool. And just like in The Man with the Golden Gun, Bond forces himself on her. I mean, at least at least it's canonical. So throughout the whole first part of the movie, Bond is like being attacked repeatedly by Kamal Khan, who is working for someone mysterious. We find out it's Octopussy. And she's she had told Kamal Khan to bring Bond to her. And it turns out it's because like her dad was a gold smuggler or something and Bond let him commit suicide instead of going through a dishonorable discharge process, I guess. And she's like, I just want to thank you for giving my dad an easy way out. Now let's have some sex. Except she doesn't say let's have some sex. She specifically says no to Bond and Bond gets all rapey again because Bond does not understand that no means no. That octopus bed though. Why would Q be sneaking up on you fishing in the middle of the night? He's an old man. He needs his sleep. And then we see a bunch of shirtless dudes with yo-yo saws. When octopuses attack. (laughs) 
So during the fight scene on Pussy Island, one of Octopussy's henchwomen comes in with a gun to shoot the bad guy and Octopussy like shoulder checks her and rips the gun out of the henchwoman's hand. That is so rude. I don't know why seeing henchmen get eaten by crocodiles makes me hungry, but... Han then hires the creepiest henchman ever to go out hunt down Bond in the girl compound, including a guy with a yo-yo blade, which kills VJ. Sorry, VJ. Aw, Q lost his night fishing partner. Why would they kill VJ? Like, this is literally the only reason this movie is worth watching, and then they just kill this guy. This movie is over. <sighs> I hate to say my favorite kill, but the toothless wonder with the saw blade yo-yo on VJ was one of my favorites. Sorry, VJ. The tip of the tentacle? So Homeboy is welding the jewel case into the, the compartment with the proper face protection on, and uh, everyone's watching him. Isn't that, uh, isn't that dangerous? So when that same twin is uh, removing the jewel case, he just kind of, uh, you know, leaves the torch running surrounded by wood and flammable objects. You know, no biggie. Remember 007, you're on your own. Thank you, sir. That's a great comfort. Uh, Bond commits some casual sexual assault on Octopussy, who just goes along for it, but they fight off the bad guys, and Octopussy says she has to go on a trip to Germany. Bond follows, going to the circus in East Germany, where he enters the circus at nighttime and comes up during the day. We then have Bond going to the circus. <laughs> Bond in a gorilla suit. Really? So it turns out General Orloff wants to start World War III early, setting up a bomb in the cannon that's going to the next showing of the circus. Bond kills all the Russians at that spot uh, with all headshots. Pretty cool. This guy's plan seems to rely on a lot of assumptions. I do like a good Russian bad guy, though. He then chases after the train and the car on the tracks. Is this our first train chase? Also, Gogol uh, ends up finding out the whole plan and then tracks down everything going on. But he gets from Moscow to East Germany pretty quickly. What? For the record, I don't think the car on the train tracks thing would actually work. It's a small and childish thing to enjoy, but I love how Bond's car on the tracks just gets yeeted off the bridge by the oncoming train. They weren't even near a bridge. We have seen the entire path that they have taken. You know, I kind of like General Gogol, but Oromov was just too over the top. Anyway, the fight on the train was pretty cool. They go back and forth, they go on the roof, um, but Orlov eventually tries to get over the uh, the border and gets shot down. General Olaf's death is kind of cool. General Olaf realizes that Bond is going to stop the bomb from going off, and so he tries to catch up to the train. Bond's on the train, so he's driving his car real fast. Oh, we got to catch the train, got to catch the train. And then there's the border patrol, and the train's across the border patrol. So Olaf gets to the border patrol, jumps out of his car, and just tries to sprint across the border and gets shot dead in the back. Right as the other general 
the other Russian general that we've known for a while shows up and is like, oh, oh, dang, you shot him before I could stop you. Oh, what a shame. Uh, and his death is like, he's like, tomorrow I will be a hero of the Soviet Union. Which is bad, because in order for you to be a hero, people would have to know you did this plan. And if people know you did this plan, then it undermines the whole idea of trying to trick the West into denuclearization because they think that it was an accident. So that's bad. So there's some pretty good train action in this movie. It's different from the previous train scenes. It's almost like there's been an evolution of train action sequences in this series. So is Octopussy the villain or not? Where does everyone's allegiances lie? I, I'm so confused. Bond has to disarm the nuclear bomb, um, but he's, he's in the middle of nowhere because he got thrown from the train, I think. I love this moment where Bond's trying to hitchhike. And uh, has to like hitch a ride with a German couple into the town square near where the circus is. And then he tries to use a phone, but there's a lady using the phone. We get a couple of German stereotypes uh, who pick him up in a beetle and offer him beer and sausage. I get that Roger Moore's a little bit of a kind of softer James Bond, but I've read a couple of the James Bond books. I'm pretty sure James Bond would have like if not stolen the car from that German couple, just murdered that German couple so he could take their car to go stop a nuclear bomb from going off. Then we see him straight up steal that lady's car. I, listen, he wouldn't just be like, oh, don't give me Wiener Schnitzel, nah, I'm trying to get to the... I don't, apparently Bond has a German accent when he's undercover in Germany. Man, there are a lot of circus shenanigans in this movie. This is also where we can see Magda with a hat. Yeah, she looks so much better. She goes from like a six to a 15 without that forehead. Then we get Bond dressed up as a circus clown. Bond ends up breaking into a military base where the circus is going to be and dresses up like the clown that 009 was. There are five minutes remaining on that bomb and Bond has time for not only an outfit change but an entire makeup job. Bullshit. I feel like dressing up as a clown is perhaps the worst spy disguise I've ever heard of. It's also like really weird that that's the same disguise that 009 used when he got killed. Anyway, it just, it was goofy that it took him so long to get to the circus, but that's not the worst part. The worst part is Bond gets to the circus where there's a bomb that's gonna go off in like 10 minutes and kill thousands of people. And he takes the time to disguise himself as a clown, including putting on full on clown makeup so that he can get into the circus tent so that he can disarm the bomb. Bond's like the worst agent ever. He disguises himself as a clown with minutes to spare. The next scene that stood out to me, there was a parade with the circus. I thought they only did that in movies, like Big Top Pee Wee. So then we get this like weird scene where Bond is in a clown suit trying to convince the American general that there's a bomb while he's dressed up as a clown. Instead of disarming the bomb, a guy's dressed as a clown, he could just go up to it and probably start fidgeting with it and nobody, nobody would notice, nobody would think anything. He works there, he's a clown. So instead of just saving everyone, he now feels the need to have an entire conversation with Octopussy and the American guy. What is going on here? By the time he ends up getting the bomb defused, it's literally a half second to spare. And he took the time to dress up paint his face as a clown. Uh, there's some back and forth, but 
Bond ends up stopping the nuke from going off, but Khan gets away. Khan makes his way back to India, plans for his escape, including taking counterfeiting gear, jewels, everything. But the circus is in town and they commit a circus heist, getting Octopussy into the castle. So that's it, right? Like, we, we've killed the bad guy, and we've stopped the bomb. Uh, we should probably be getting into a boat with a woman and James Bond to have sex in to end the movie, right? No, 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 no. Because we still got Kamal Khan out there. So there's this sequence that starts off really cool where Octopussy is there with her circus performers and also her, like... We didn't, I didn't even talk about the like octopusy secret agents who wear like red vinyl jumpsuits for some reason. But anyway, they're there. I love how Octopussy has a gang of badass ninja babes. A little random, but it's awesome. So Octopussy and her henchwomen are doing a, the old sneak attack on Kamal and they've got music playing outside to kind of cover everything that's happening. And, uh, you know, then they just sort of abruptly stop and Kamal and his big baddie, uh, don't no that's okay that's cool it's not like you need to have music continuously playing to cover the sounds that you're making and uh they're doing like a sneak into the place but using circus skills where they're like you know doing like ribbon climbing and stuff and lifting up a post they use uh, a big uh seesaw to launch it it's cool they they're it's a circus sneak attack into kamal khan's base which would be really cool and it would show like a lot of competency from octopussy except for that after she gets into the room with kamal khan and is ready to murder him dead all of her circus performers are just kind of like standing around in the courtyard so of course the bad guys see them and raise an alarm so wait a second did anyone else notice how it just went from night to day to night, like within the same five minutes? In the midst of all the fighting and insanity at Kamal's place, there is a real quick scene where three of the chicks are coming from the right and they are doing just these badass flips into the scene. And it is like the coolest, I don't know, three seconds of this entire movie. And then it turns into like a big action scene and they're all fighting each other and stuff. And James Bond comes in in a goddamn hot air balloon with the Union Jack on it and Q's flying the hot air balloon and yeah. <sighs> this movie's very cheesy. I feel like Bond and Q don't know the meaning of being inconspicuous. When Bond shows up in the most violently loud hot air balloon, so subtle. Great spy work, Bond. Uh, we have a weird scene of Q hanging out with a harem. Also, Q is adored on by all the women after he crushes some bad guys with a gun. You know, I, I complained last movie that we didn't get a big action scene at the end, and for your eyes only, we got kind of a quiet, subdued stealth mission instead of a big action scene. And that movie could have used a big action scene at the end, while this one did not need it. Like, the stealthy scene of Octopussy sneaking in and killing the guy would have been way cooler than this weird circus performer battle scene that we get. Okay, I gotta admit, this ending is a lot better than I was expecting. I know what you're thinking. At least this is the end of the movie, right? Nothing dumb could happen at this point. Oh, no, 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 no. We haven't gotten to the part yet where James Bond chases down an airplane on horseback. Because he does. There's a plane taking off, and he's on a horse, and he catches up to the plane. And as Kamal and his henchmen are making their escape, they accidentally run into the beginning of Moonraker. Oh, crap! Khan gets away with a kidnapped octopus on a plane, but Bond latches on the outside 
uh, ends up fighting off one of the bad guys' henchmen, and they crash the plane. This plane scene is so nuts. I think they did this like in the Mission Impossible movie, like the exact stunt. I can't complain too much though, because this does lead to one of my favorite kills from the entire Bond franchise, because eventually Kamala Khan sends up uh, his goon onto the top of the plane, and he and Bond have like a fist fight on top of this tiny little Cessna or whatever, and there's no way they should be able to hold on, uh, and, and Bond gets knocked backwards and grabs onto a little antenna, and that's the only thing keeping him alive, and then he pulls the antenna back, and he twangs the guy in the face with it, just boing, and hits him in the face, and that makes him let go and fall off the plane. That's a very cool kill. Might be my favorite kill in the Bond franchise it's great but also kind of hilarious you can totally tell when it switches between the stunt actors and roger moore on a soundstage i might have missed something but i'm pretty sure that the way that bond and octopussy escape from this crashing aeroplane is that they jump onto the ground from the airplane just 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 an old tuck and roll out of an airplane that's how they escape. Khan dies, plane goes off the edge of a cliff, blows up in 40 million pieces, and Bond ends up recovering on a boat with a girl. Because that's James Bond. And now the movie's over. We've saved the day. Uh, Q and M are talking about uh, the situation, I believe, and they're like, oh, where is Bond anyway? And they're like, oh, unfortunately, his injuries are so severe that it's limiting his travel. Cut to, that's right, it's a boat. And Octopussy and James are on the boat, and he's all laid up in bed with his foot up in the air and stuff. His foot goes up higher in the air. She's making out with him because it's like, it's like. And then uh, she's like, oh, I sure wish we could have sex right now, but you're so injured. And then he, like, shakes his arms and legs, and all the cast and stuff fall off. I guess they were just fake, and it was just an excuse for him to end the movie in a boat with a woman. And once again, he's back on a boat with a woman, magically healed by sex. That's Octopussy. You know, it, it's. I feel like this has been the most run of the mill of the Roger Moore era of Bond movies. It's just, it's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with this one. It's got pretty fun action. It's got fun chasings. I even talk about the whole like, the, 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 the. What is, what is it? The greatest prey? No. Uh, greatest game? The hunting humans. Bond gets hunted as a human at one point in India by like people riding elephants and stuff. So. I didn't really like this movie just because of all the walking. There are so many transportation scenes that take up so much of the film. I really think this might be the least entertaining Bond movie. It's it's a fun movie. There's a fake crocodile at one point. Bond's inside of a fake crocodile to sneak in, which is just a perfect, dumb Roger Moore era gadget. This movie is peak Moore. Cheesy, some gadgets, several girls, he gets knocked out. There's not one moment in this movie that I think is the best 007 moment, though I am partial to the fourth wall breaking Bond theme during the India scene. Uh, I swear, I feel like half this movie is just the camera watching people walk or ride or just doing things um, existing. And it's so wild that they, they kind of don't really put a lot of emphasis on the espionage. I'm torn because I'm not sure what else I would do to change this movie, but it's still missing something they're so focused on ensuring that you see every little thing that's going on at any given time i enjoyed magda she was cute and i thought she played her part as the ringling of the circus and acrobat pretty well she was like on a uh, the lieutenant for octopussy 
I loved the General Orlov. He was ridiculous as a Russian general. Seriously, every other guy was calm and collected. He was the serial killer. It was nice seeing Maude Adams in this movie, but she had changed a lot since Man with the Golden Gun. It looks like she gotten some work done too, but she was only 37 when this movie came out. She looks so much older. Khan was an excellent villain. Not as smart as some, but generally enjoyed every time he was on screen. It was fantastic. Luis Jordan as Khan loved saying Octopussy. He also says it about eight different ways. Octopussy. 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 I mean, it's not the worst. It's fine. Octopussy, you know what? I I'll call this movie good even. But not bad enough to be fun. Yeah, no, I did not like this movie. I'd be okay not watching it again. I just wish the ending was a little bit different, and I sure wish that James Bond was less rapey than he was. Is it is it a view to a kill next? I think it's a view to a kill next. I'm trying to trying to check a list here. Podcasters Assemble Season 003 is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably Podcast Network. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble by looking us up on Twitter at Casters Assemble or joining our Discord server, link in the show notes. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links where you can find them all online. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Podcasters Assemble will return in A View to a Kill. Ah, oh, it is. A View to a Kill is next. Christopher Walken as a Bond villain. Podcasters Assemble will return in. A view to a kill. That was like if uh, William Shatner and uh, now I've forgotten his name. I just said it. Anyway, you know, it's like if those two people had a baby. Eric, cut this out.